praises of his people. Glad that you are here to worship with us. And, and you know, I just want to take a moment just to welcome you uh, all, of course, but welcome just really newer people who are in our church. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it's like every newcomer's class we have uh, is, is full. God continues to bless us with growth in our church. We're, we're humbled by that, and we, we take that very seriously. And, and uh, I want you to understand that, that on a regular basis, as newcomer classes are completed and they go through the process, like last week, we'll see them lined up as we kind of introduce them before our church family. You'll see them lined up from wall to wall. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, the last few times we've had that, that's what it's been like, and that's, that's a praise to God. You know, that's not, that's not anything. We're just lifting the Lord up and he draws people to himself and people are, are coming and we're, we're thankful for that. And, you know, I, I just want to share a few things that are kind of exciting to you but as we get into scripture here in just a moment and be reminded of some things today as we start a new series. You know, the Lord has blessed us with growth uh, as a church these last few years just powerfully. Last year we grew over 20% as a church. Okay, and again, you know, we're on one acre of land right here and our parking is fantastic and outstanding, right? And you get to swim into service on days like today and, and, and we actually park more people on the streets than we do in the parking lot. And, uh, and, and I just want you to, and this year we're on track to grow again another 20% this year. And just God keeps blessing us. And again, we, I'm saying that just bragging on God, bragging on what God is doing in our church and that, and that he's entrusting that to us is huge. And I have to share this with you that this past week, um, um, as, as we told you last week, how you could be praying as we get ready for our, our relocation out on Boswell Road, that uh, we're on one acre of land right here in, in a neighborhood where we're hard to find, Right. You know our property is out on Basel Road. And, and can you imagine as, as we keep just lifting Jesus up and pointing people to Jesus, and as, as the Lord gives us more exposure in our community, can you imagine what it's going to be like, you know, uh, whenever we are blessed, as we've been blessed with 10 times the amount of property than we have right here. And so this week we asked you to pray about as our finance team had, had come to a conclusion on a, on a lender that we felt like was going to present the best terms to our church. We'll be bringing all of that information to you soon, but it went before the bank that we are working with, uh, and they approved us this week. We're approved, officially approved. That's done. What's next is, uh, is that it goes for permitting to the city. It goes to, to bids for some of the builders that we're working with. And guys, we're very, very close to breaking ground, and that's not something, you know, that, that we, shouldn't, we shouldn't overlook that. We should celebrate that and soak this moment in and thank God for that. And, and you know, and as we do that, I just really felt led to come into a series with you today to really address to those of you who are newer here, as we've had so many new folks come in, for you to really catch one of just the, the core values that we have here at our church. For those of you who have been here for a while, some of you have been here from the very beginning. Some of you have been here from the beginning. I see you, Jeff, over there. And some of you know our core values that we started with. And, and, and you know, some of you have been around for a while. And so it's to remind some of you what a value is that is of ours, okay? And I just want to share with you what that value is that we're going to revisit in these coming weeks in this new series. It's this value that we have of being real. We don't want to be fake, because there's so much of that, right? Would you be able to just agree with me in that? There's so much that is, 
that is fake? And what does our DNA as a church look like? What are, we, what are we supposed to look like as a church whenever it comes to who we are and the value that we started with and that we always want to be the same no matter where we end up going is we want to be real. Now, can I tell you that while our loan, this is kind of kind of funny, okay, a little side story, that while we were getting our loan approved this week, Pastor Randy and I were at a, uh, in Nashville at a conference, a one-day deal that we went to to learn how to better plant more churches. And while we were there, we were thinking, our building is getting approved today, and our, our lead pastors are away learning how to plant more churches. And I just want you to know that's our heart. It's not about building EVC. It's about extending God's kingdom, right? That's what we want to be about. And we were excited about that. We're learning how to plant more churches. But in doing so, what we want to have happen and really establish is for all of us to understand that what God wants from us is for us to be real, for this to be legit, for us not to, you know, to put on uh, this kind of fake idea of what it seems to be like to go to church or to be a part of a church. And I shouldn't say to go to church because we know this, that you are the church, okay? But I'm talking about being a part of the church. We, we want, from the get-go, we want people to feel like they can come in to this place, worship with us, become a part of us, and be real, and not have to put on one of these whenever you pull up. Right? To put on one of these and to start pretending. But you actually, you can actually come in, come as you are, bumps in all the bruises that you have in your life, baggage that we all have, amen? Bring it all in, bring it with us. We don't want you to check it out there. We want you to bring it in with you and for you to encounter the loving, gracious Savior himself. And for you to meet him in that way. And you, you don't have to have it all together before you come here is what I'm trying to say. We don't want you to feel like you have to have it all together because here's what we will say. We don't have it all together. Amen? We do not have it all together. We are struggling. We are broken. We have things that are going on in our life. And we want you to know that this is a place where it is actually okay for you to not be okay. We want you to be able to come in and be real. Because if you're coming in and you're wearing these, I want you to know that if you're feeling like you have to wear these and you can't be yourself and you're, you're having to put on the church mask, and guys, we know how to do it, right? We know how to fake it. If, we're, if you're coming in and you're having to do that, you're going to have a really hard time connecting with God. You're going to have a hard time connecting with Him because what He really wants from you is the real you, he really wants you. He really loves you. He loves you in spite of all of your baggage, in spite of all of your brokenness, as we're going to discover in this series that what he really loves is people who will be honest about where they're at and what they're dealing with. This is one of my favorite passages when we talk about Jesus and we talk about who he loved and how he loved us. Look at what Jesus said about himself. And this is, this is one of the things that he, we find that he, that he hung out with people who were sinners, that he loved sinners, that he went after people that were sinners. Are there any sinners in the house today? Praise God that we'll acknowledge that, right? I'm one. Look at what he says. He says in, in Mark chapter 2, this isn't our main text, but our main, our main text is going to be in Luke 11. You can go ahead and start going there. But he says things like this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call, I've come to call not those, and I think this is interesting, who think they are righteous. 
Notice he didn't even say they're righteous. He said they think they are righteous. I've not come to call those who don't think they have a need for God or they won't acknowledge their brokenness. And I love this. I've come to call those who know they are sinners, who get it, who know that without him, you know, there's nothing there. And do we really believe that as a church? Do we really want to go after that as a church? Let me tell you that if you go after that as a church, it's going to get messy. Ministry like that's messy because where, where real people are and where things are happening, it gets messy. And that's just the way it is because we're broken and there's messiness in our lives. But I believe for us to effectively go after that as a church, to go after and to seek as Jesus did, to seek and save those who are lost, to love people who are broken, to go after those that are broken in our community, that, that to be able to do that effectively, there has to be authenticity on our part. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We're, we're not. We're actually getting real about the fact that we're not perfect. We're actually willing to acknowledge that. And we're actually getting real about our walk with God. And we're, we're taking the masks off. We're, 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 we're going to be who we really are as we encounter God. And, and there has to be in, in that going after those and loving those kinds of people that Jesus loved, those that are broken, as, we, as we'll discover in this series, we have to understand that there has to be transparency there. And to do that with transparency means there has to be humility in our lives where we're not so concerned about our image and the way that we come across and whatever others think of us. And, and I, I, I was, as we were developing this series, um, we, we thought about this, that all the world's really a stage, right? And we're all these play actors. We, all, we know how to play the roles. And William Shakespeare said in his play, As You Like It, in 1599, and, and uh, Willie said this. That's what we call him in Texas, Willie, okay? He said, all the world's a stage, And all the men and women, merely players, they have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time can play many parts. Do you you feel that? Where you just feel like you just have to put on a show, you have to perform for others maybe to accept you, you don't feel like you can be yourself, and so you always kind of feel like you have to put on airs, you have to put on a front you have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, and you know, and and you know, do the dance. He says this, we're stage actors. We're stage actors, which means we're kind of performing for others' applause. And we're, we're often pretending that we're something that we're not. We're wearing masks. We're wearing these kinds of masks all the time is what he's saying. He's saying that, uh, that if we let the masks down, we might be afraid that people might not like what they see. So we keep wearing the masks because we don't want to let them in and see the real me. We all know how to pretend. We're all brilliant at adapting when we're around people that maybe are quote-unquote holier or whatever, we know, and this especially goes for those of us who have been in church longer than others, we know the right things to say, we know how to do the church speak, we know all the right actions to make others kind of think we have it all together as, as far as spiritual matters go. Okay, We know how to do that, and yet at the same time when we're around those who might be sinners, we also know how to adapt to them and speak the language that they speak and talk kind of like that. I mean, we're brilliant at play acting. We're brilliant at wearing masks 
and pretending. And we learn it very early on. We learn how to do this. And we, we know how to, how to be a certain way when nobody's watching and how to act a certain way when people are watching. I love this. I love that this incredible coach named John Wooden, he was a coach for UCLA years ago, uh, voted by his peers as the greatest coach of all time. And he wasn't just a, a great coach when it came to basketball. He was a great coach in life. He coached people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton and many of these great ones that came up through UCLA. But, but they, what they take note of more than anything was the way that he lived his life. By the way, he was a Christ follower. He loved Jesus. And, and you'll be familiar with some of these quotes that he said, but maybe you didn't know that he's the one that said some of these things. He said this. He was a devout follower of Christ. He said, the true test of a man's character, he said, is what he does when no one is watching. It's what he does when no one is watching. He also said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because character is what you really are, right? When nobody's watching and reputation is merely what others think you are. But we flip these values all the time. We flip them around and we become more concerned with our reputation and what others might think we are. Oftentimes, that's why we wear a mask. It's because we want to project a certain image. We want people to think a certain way about us. And, and we live like all the world's a stage. We're play actors putting the masks on. But here's what I want you to know. As you do that, and you'll relate to this, I know, because we all struggle with this. We all struggle with this. That as we do this, as we play the role, as we pretend, as we're not always who we say we really are and our actions don't quite match up with our words, especially when we're talking about maybe spiritual matters in our lives and, and there can be hypocrisy in all of our lives if we're honest, okay? By the way, the subtitle of this series is Getting Honest About Our Dishonesty. It's not getting honest about others' dishonesty, okay? It's getting honest about our dishonesty, and we all have it. We all have that. We all struggle with it. But when you do that, there are personal effects that begin to happen in your life. When you're playing the role, when you're wearing the mask all the time, there are things that just start wearing and grinding you down. Here's just some results of that. It's exhausting whenever you're playing the role all the time. You're just exhausted because you're always having to put a mask on. You're, you're always trying to figure out who am I supposed to be around which group of people, you know, and, and it just gets tiring. You can never relax. You can never let your hair really down for those of you who are blessed to have it, okay? You can never be yourself. It's exhausting pretending. You know, it requires an enormous amount of effort to act all the time, right? And it wears you out. Some of you are so tired because maybe you're pretending, maybe you're hiding things, maybe you're, you know, and it's just, it wears you down. Here's another thing it does. It's, it's embarrassing whenever, whenever it finally, whatever it is that we're hiding, whenever it finally becomes exposed, because the scripture is very clear that if we're hiding sin in our lives, we're cherishing sin, and maybe we're, we're living hypocritically in certain ways. The scripture oftentimes about God's light exposing the darkness in our lives. We, we, you, you see it maybe, you know, in other places where you, where you find out about, well, this person did this wrong. They were pretending to be super spiritual. And then we find something out about something in their life. And we see that it's what's happened. It's embarrassing. 
It's embarrassing for them. It's embarrassing for their family. It's embarrassing, you know, if they're a believer. It's, it's, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing for the cause of Christ. And, and you know, because all the world's a stage. And, and, and you know, and it's especially the world's a stage in this, in this day and age of everyone carrying around a little phone that's a video camera, right? Are you with me on that? It's a stage everywhere you're going, man. You never know who's watching. You never know who's videoing. And you see it all the time. You see videos that come out where people are exposed in things that it ends up being embarrassing to them. And they're acting one way over here and maybe over here and hypocrisy's pointed out. And I was at, I was at uh, Trinity's volleyball game, my daughter, the other night. And I was listening to a couple of guys, their dads on the team, and they were talking. And it was funny as they were talking to one another, one of them said to the other one as he was kind of talking about how wild he was back whenever he was younger, and I was kind of relating to that as well. And, uh, and he said this. He said, man, I'm sure glad they didn't have camera phones back when I was a teenager. I want to just ask, how many of you are glad there weren't camera phones around when you were a teenager, right? Uh, uh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And today, it's captured, right? Today, once you put it out there, you know, it, it's out there. and It's embarrassing. You know, and that's exhausting to kind of protect that. I was thinking about myself and some of the, hypocr- the hypocrisy I've had in my life and that I still battle with. And I remember back whenever I was a teenager, and I was really good at playing the game then. And I was good at knowing how to play the church game. I, we'd been, we started going to church all the time. I started learning all the church words. I started learning, you know, how to play the church game. And I remember as I was invi- starting to invite all my friends to come to church with me, but I wasn't any different, you know, I was different when I was at church. I knew how to be a chameleon there, and I knew how to act a certain way when I was with my friends at school. Anybody else do that? I knew how to do that. And, and so I started inviting some of my friends to come with me. God was doing a work in my life. But, and so the church that we were at at the time used to be right across the street, okay, where we currently are. And I was right out in that parking lot, right across the street. Little did I know I'd be a pastor in a church across the street now, okay? But at that particular time, I'd invited some friends to a youth event. And I was, we were standing out there talking. And I'm just going to tell you, okay, I was dropping curse bombs left and right. I won't even begin to... I mean, I had a filthy mouth, and it didn't match up with who I would be, say I was on Sundays, okay? I had a filthy mouth, and I'm dropping all these bombs, and my friends are there, and they're listening to me, and I'm just saying all of these things, and their eyes are getting bigger, and I'm like, what, did I say something you're not used to me saying? You know, we're not inside the church yet, and, and, and my youth pastor had walked up behind me. Did I mention that it's embarrassing? And they're like... Dude, dude, and I'm saying all these filthy things, and I turn around, and I see him, and he looks at me, and he's someone that I really loved and respected and admired. He didn't say a word. He just looked at me, and he kind of shook his head, and he just walked off. My hypocrisy was exposed. You know, the scripture says that be sure your sins will surely find you out. They will find you out, and if others don't see it, we know this. God sees everything we're doing, right? God sees it all. Okay, and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. The other thing that, that, that we find is this. We find that, that, it, that it's enslaving, that whenever you are, when you're, you can't be real, it's like you're wrapped up and you're bound up in these chains of this mask that you have to pretend all the time. 
and, and, you, and you know, and, and the truth is what actually begins to set us free. Truth and that, and that truth that comes out in our lives, for anyone who, anyone who knows this, that for you to begin to actually heal in certain areas of your life, you have to first get real about it. You have to be willing to admit it and acknowledge it and get real with God about it for God to begin to work on that in our lives. So it's exhausting, it's, in, it's embarrassing, it's enslaving that Jesus said the truth will set you free. Here's another thing that when you're living that kind of lifestyle, it's empty. It is empty because here's what is happening is you are building false kinds of relationships that really are very surface. And it's not until you're willing to take this thing off and get real and be vulnerable and be transparent that real relationships actually begin to develop in your life. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the middle of our prayer series, and it was a challenging series for a lot of folks, okay, as, as people were, were dealing with God about certain things, and there was a, there's a man who's in our first service, his name is, is Jimmy, and Jimmy and I have known each other since uh, high school, and, and he's a Christ follower now, and I'm a Christ follower now, and Jimmy is, is, is bound to a wheelchair, he's, he's, he's fighting a debilitating disease that causes a lot of pain in his life. Not only just physical pain, he's in a lot of physical pain, but a lot of emotional pain. And Jimmy was sitting right up here uh, in his chair, passing out bulletins because he's faithful to do that. He wants to serve in any way that he can serve. And he was sitting right up here on, on a morning that I walked in and I looked at Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, how are you doing today? You know what? He could have very easily said, I'm doing great, Bart. I'm wonderful. All is well today. Bless you, brother. You know, he could have gone on in the kind of the church talk thing, but Jimmy looked right at me and said, man, I'm not good. I'm struggling. I'm having a really hard time. And I was at that point as not only just a pastor, but as a guy who's a friend because he took his mask off. He got real. I said, what's going on, man? And he told me what was going on. And, 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 and I had a service that was going to start. I prayed with him. And, he, and he, of course, he told me that was just great. Just you taking time to pray with me as a brother in Christ. Later that week, Pastor Randy and I felt led to go over to his house. He shared more with us. We shared our lives together. Not only did we encourage him, he encouraged us on that day. But when you wear the mask and, you, and you're being fake all the time, your relationships are going to be empty. But you know what God really wants in this church? real relationships, but it takes us taking the mask off to say, I got to get real about where I'm really at. What's going on? It takes courage to do that, by the way. Jimmy was in the first service and I just said, thanks. Thanks for doing that. You know, but so it, it leaves emptiness. It's, there's emptiness in, in your life. Here's another thing it does. It, it extinguishes the light of Christ. Do you believe this, that as a believer that Christ has called you be the, to be the light of the world? He said it, right? You are the light of the world, he said. You are salt. You are light. I am to be salt in light. And that light in the darkness. And, and Jesus has called us to be that. And, 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 and when we're real, that is something that is, is, is we're going to read about is so powerful whenever it's real in our lives. And, and then what you'll find is, 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 is that's so powerful is Jesus, as we're going to look in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, when he would talk about prayer, and we just came out of the series on prayer, we're kind of flowing out of, of Luke 11, where his disciples said, teach us how to pray. He taught them how to pray, just as we learned through this series. Then you'll find always where Jesus talks about prayer, he talks about getting real. 
you'll oftentimes find Jesus talking about prayer and then exposing hypocrisy. It's always connected. Why does he do that? Because he knows that in our prayer lives, that can be an area where we really get fake. And then he says, but when you're connected to God as you are in prayer, then you're going to be this light. You're going to be this radiant light. So Jesus taught him how to pray. He taught him how to be in a relationship with the Father. And then he says this in Luke chapter 11. We're going to kind of progress through Luke uh, chapter 11 some uh, today and in the coming weeks. He says this, if you are filled with light, he's giving this message about connecting with the Father. If you're in fellowship with God in your prayer life, he says, look at what he says. If you are filled with light, what does the next phrase say? Say it with me. With no dark what? That's interesting, isn't it? With no things that you're hiding, that you're kind of holding back. You're not, you know, you're not keeping some of the darkness, the, the secrets in the darkness there. You're, you're not pretending. With no dark corners, you're getting real. You're being honest about who you are in Christ. And, and, you know, and he says this, then your whole life will be, what does it say, church? Radiant as you're real. As you're real, not perfect, but you're real. You know what I've, you know what I've found? I've found this, that as, as, I, as I talk with folks that maybe don't know the Lord or whatever, I've found often that they appreciate the fact that, and they know this, that hypocrisy is in every area of life. It's not just in the church. It's in the church, yes, but it's in every area of life. But here's what, here's what I've come to understand, is whenever I actually can acknowledge some of my hypocrisy with those that maybe don't know the Lord, and I acknowledge that I have struggles and problems, that they can appreciate that. And it's not the hypocrisy uh, in, or the struggles in my life that turns them off it, it, that, that I'm acknowledging, because we all have struggles and problems. What really turns them off is whenever we won't, we won't acknowledge that we have problems. Right? And that's where they're like, man, you guys are a bunch of fakes. When they begin to see some of the stuff that's in our life that's not right, you know? And so I don't want these dark corners in my life. I want to be real. I, I want to be sure that I don't want to have to put on a, this, this act all the time because it's exhausting enough just living life in and of itself. But when you're the real deal, there's so much power in that. There's so much power. Back when I was in college, there was a song that God really used in my life to confront some hypocrisy that I had in my life. It's a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and I've asked Danny to do it, and I asked him to do it very last minute, and as Danny can do, he pulls it off, okay? And uh, I said, I want you to do this song because this song really challenged me, and it really flows perfectly with what we're talking about. I want you to listen to the words of the song, and as you listen to the words of the song, I, I don't want you to think about, because here's what we do. A lot of times we start thinking about other people who have been hypocritical towards us. Let's not do that today. Let's be sure that we are saying, God, are there areas of dishonesty in my life? Okay, listen to the words of this song.
nobody's perfect, but I want to see somebody living what they say they believe. If they've got all this world needs like they say, I wonder why they won't give some away. Cause she see God through who he really is. And what she sees in you and me. She see God for who He really is, for who He really is. It's all she really needs to see. He slips into church puts up his guard they look so happy but his life's been so hard he keeps his distance so they won't see the scars and it's just religion it's all dressed up in white God is love as long as you're living right. But do you know that Jesus also had scars? His love can reach them no matter how far. Can he see God for who he really is? What he sees in you and me. Did he see God for who he really is? For who he really is. It's all he really needs to see. are watching to see who will fall with those disillusioned search for the truth in it all but maybe today will cross their paths unaware and they'll stop and look at us and what will be there can they see God for who What they see in you and me Can they see God for who he really is For who he really is It's all they really need to see That's a powerful song, right? Powerful song. Thank you, Danny. That's pretty good for getting asked last minute, right? That's pretty good. So thankful for that. What a song. And, and I love that song. I love it because it challenges me. It really challenges me to take a look at myself. 
And that's what we want to do in this series is we want to get honest about our dishonesty. I want you really to start thinking about, are there areas that I need to get real about? Are there areas that I need to bring to God and, and you know, and do, and do business with God? Because again, this is a message that in a series that's about his grace in our lives and about the gospel and about that he loves us and that that's what he wants is this real connection in our lives. And, and you know, and, and, and as we progress through the series, I want you, I'm, I want you to see this as we'll even look here in just a moment, that it's a big deal for us as believers to really honestly assess ourselves and, you know, and to ask, am I, am I trying to fool anyone? Am I fooling people? Am I trying to fool people at church? Am I fooling people in my life group? Am I, am I fooling people where I work, you know, or, or am, I, am I getting real about who I am really with God? Am I living that out? It's such, it's such a big deal because whenever you look at Jesus and, and, and that's what we always want to do as a church. We always want to look at Jesus and see how he lived and how did he deal with people. When you look in the Gospels, you'll see that when Jesus encountered people, he encountered them and he loved them and he was so filled with grace and, and he got criticized for hanging around with sinners. He got criticized for being in their, in their presence and loving them and you'll find that he would he would be there with some that, that society would, would think has the grossest of lives. And he would love people like prostitutes and outcasts and people who had, you know, uh, struggles in their life who were thieves and liars and tax cheats and all of these. He would go to some of these places where they were at and the religious people would criticize him for being around them. And what you would find is that Jesus would love them. Jesus would love them. He would speak truth into their life, but he would love them, you know, and he would accept them. And then he would, he would, he would want to see their lives change because of his presence in their life. And he'd say things like, go and sin no more. But he would, he would, he would dialogue with them. He would love them and accept them and, and be there with them. And his ministry was messy because our lives are messy. And he loved people. But there was a group of people that whenever Jesus got around this group of people, you saw a fierceness come out in him that was unlike anything you will ever see about Jesus in any other place in dealing with individuals. Jesus would act completely different with this group of people. He would be so direct with them. He would not use a loving and gentle tone with them that you would find him dealing with a person who is, who is being honest about their brokenness. When we're honest about our brokenness, he's compassionate and tender, isn't he? And he's so good to us and gracious and loving and long-suffering with us. But when, we, when we're putting on a show, he, he has this mentality that you'll see that he would get in these individuals' faces. He would tell them like it was. And this group of people were the religious hypocrites. He would confront them. They were called the Pharisees. He would call them all kinds of names. Let me just show you the kind of names and tell you the kind of names Jesus would say to these guys so you see that he didn't play games with these guys. He would call them things like, you sons of hell. Wow. He would say things like, you are sons of the devil. Your, your father is the devil. And if you said something like that to somebody, you'd probably be fighting with them, right? Okay, right after that. If you called, I mean, he didn't pull any punches. He would call them whitewashed tombs. 
In, in other words, you're more about the outside appearance and all of your masks that you're wearing and the show you're putting on for everyone. He would call them out. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're filthy and you're decayed and you're dead. That's what he said to them. He called them vipers. Right? And whenever he said that, he's calling them snakes. You're like this brood of snakes. What was it that Satan came in the form of in, in the Garden of Eden? He came right as a, as a serpent. He's saying, you're like that. You're like this, this serpent. Jesus did not pull punches. Why? Because their actions of hypocrisy disgusted him. You'll find that not only in the New Testament, you'll find that in the Old Testament that I'll show you in the coming weeks. They knew how to play the role. They knew how to play the church game. They knew how to act a certain way. Jesus, though, called out their hypocrisy. And so as I read that, I see that this is something that very much angers God and that he has very little patience with those who won't admit that they are flawed. You know, who, who pretend, you, you see that he, that he calls it out. If there's one thing, as I see that it angers God whenever I'm hypocritical, if there's one thing that I want to be sure that I'm doing, it's making certain that the hypocrisy that I do battle with in my life, that I'm coming clean with God about that. Because you'll find over and over again, man, he gets in their faces. And, and you know, and so, but here is something that I have to say. As he gets in their faces about this, the problem with this is that, I, and I'm being honest, I struggle with hypocrisy every single day. How about you? Let me ask that again. How about you? <laughs> don't leave me hanging, all right? We do, don't we? I mean, don't we? I mean, let's get real. We all battle with it. We all struggle with it. We all struggle. And I want to say that those of us who are in church longer than others... It's easier for us. You've been in church 5, 10, 15, however many years. It's easy for us to learn how to play the game, right? I love new believers. I love them. I love being around them. I love the things that come out of their mouths. I love it. Whenever they're in life groups and they say things and, 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 and religious people, we go, oh. I, I love whenever there's an honesty because they haven't figured out yet, oh, wait, I got to play the church game, right? I got I to gotta play the role. I got to, I forgot I had to bring this to life group. Oh, yeah. They don't know that yet. And so what I'm saying is the longer we're in church, we have to constantly be reminded we want to be real. We have to constantly be reminded that, that ministry gets messy. We have to constantly be reminded that there are going to be people that, that hopefully will feel welcomed in here who have a lot of, of grotesque things in their lives. And that if it were not for the grace of God in our lives, we'd be in the same place, right? Right? I mean, that's what we have to just keep thinking about, uh, you know, and, and, and it's a warning as we read through and go through series like this. It's a warning. It's not, it's not to beat us up. I, I don't think Jesus wants to beat us up in this, but I do think he wants us to constantly evaluate and assess ourselves, to check ourselves as a church as he continues to bless us with new people and more people. Are, are we, you know, are, are we being a welcoming church? Are we being a church that loves people, that loves all people? You know, that's why Paul would say things like this. 
Let those of you who think you stand take heed lest you fall. That's why Paul would say things like, examine yourselves. We don't ever want to get to thinking we're kind of above or we've arrived. We always want to get to the place of knowing, you know what? I still have areas I need the Lord to go to work on in my life. And I want to be real about that. The word hypocrite is a word that was used in the Greek. Whenever they would use this word, it was, it was, it was this. It was a person who was a play actor. That's what the word literally means. It's a play actor. And it wasn't necessarily a bad term. Jesus started using it and he was calling it out in their life because he's saying, you're two-faced. You're two-faced and you act a certain way over here. And, and you know, and you expect certain things from other people, but you're not willing to live that out yourself. And but it was, it was a play actor. They would do these plays and they would wear these masks and you wouldn't really know who was behind the mask. And that's what he was saying. And, and, and you know, and, and, and we're playing a role. We can play a role. And, and again, hypocrisy is something that's not just in the church. Hypocrisy is just everywhere because people are people right? Hypocrisy is in the place where you work, amen? Hypocrisy is in the place where you go to school. Hypocrisy is just where people are because we're so prone to putting on our masks. Well, what I really feel like we ought to talk about is just kind of where there could be hypocrisy in our lives spiritually. That's what we're going to just really seek the Lord in in these coming weeks because we just want to be right with the Lord in this. We want to come clean where we need to come clean because there's freedom there. And there's just, there's glory that points to God when we do that in our lives. And, and so we're going to look at that spiritual side of hypocrisy. We want to be the real deal. L- look at the rest of this passage in, in verse uh, 37. Let me take you, take you through it just very quickly. It says this in verse 37 of Luke chapter 11. Jesus had just talked about being light. He had just talked about praying. And now it says this, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish but inside you are, what does he say? Filthy. Boy, that's just a wonderful thing to say to your host who's invited you over for dinner, right? He didn't pull any punches. You got to love Jesus, right? He says, he says, you're filthy. You're full of greed and wickedness. What's the next thing he says? Fools. <laughs> He's saying hypocrisy is stupid. It's stupid that you even act like this. It's foolish. Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside. And he's, and he's addressing something specifically with them. He's not saying this is the, way, the only way you clean the inside. Uh, by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. He's talking about light. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about these things. He gets invited for dinner. When, when Jesus walks into this Pharisee's house... Everyone knows that as as you're in a Pharisee's home, especially, that you go through the religious ritual, this cleansing ritual. It wasn't about hygiene. This was not about hygiene. This was, they were trying, and Pharisees, the word means separatist, okay? They were, and they started off on the right track. They started off trying to be separate from the rest of the world and 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 to be holy because God called them to holiness. But they started adding all kinds of rituals and regulations and all this stuff that they were to do that wasn't even in the scripture. 
And so one of the things that they would do is this kind of ritual cleansing of their hands. And they had a certain way that they did this. And it wasn't about hygiene. It was all about show. It was all about outward show. I want to be sure that everyone around me knows that I am no longer defiled by the disgustingness of the people around me. That's what it was about. Okay, because if you touched, if you had contact with Gentile people, that's many of us, okay? If you have contact with, with anyone who wasn't a Jew, or, or, or there were all kinds of things that defiled you, so to speak. And, they, and this is what they were doing. And, 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 and they wanted to have the appearance of holiness. Jesus was aware of their ritual, and he purposefully did not do it. I mean, he knew that this is what you do. He grew up as a Jew, Right? He knew this is what you do, and, but Jesus didn't want to conform to their pattern. He wanted to provoke them into dialogue about what's actually pleasing to God, and he's showing that that outside stuff, that's not what pleases God. He's like, you guys want me to cleanse. I know that's what you want me to do. I know, and I, again, I love Jesus here because he's like, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do that. You don't control me. I'm not doing this. Again, I love it. And he's saying to this, you're all filthy on the inside. He uses an analogy of cleaning the outside of a cup or dish. And think of it this way. You're probably going to go out to eat. Some of you will go out to eat today or you go home to eat. And let's just say you go out to eat and you look down in your dish. The outside of the dish looks great, but you look down in your dish and maybe there's a little bit of food or maybe it's in your cup. And you see on the inside, there's some old food that's been caked on there. And it's maybe it's been there for a while and it's gross and it's molding or whatever. And you're like, you see what I'm, I mean? It's gross. It's disgusting. It's filthy right on the inside. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep on eating? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. You're going to say, hey, hey, come on over here. We, need, we got a problem here. There's my, the inside of my dish is dirty. Now, what if that waiter said, oh, I'm so sorry about that, and he takes your dish, and he just cleans the outside of it. He gets it all clean. Sorry about that, and he puts it right back down. What are you going to do? I don't want to know what some of you are going to do, okay? But, but you're going to be like, no, clean, give me a clean dish. And he says, you guys are so worried about the outside appearance, and the inside is rotten, It's rotten. He calls it out. This is what, I mean, he just calls it out here. And I love that. Here's here's some, just some quick takeaways for you. You know what God wants? God wants us to focus on the inside rather than the outside. You know, whenever my mouth was filthy like that, and by the way, I struggle with my mouth sometimes still, okay? My mouth gets me in trouble all the time. I have to, I have to keep it in check. I have to confess and repent regularly. But here is the deal. Whenever things are coming out of my mouth that's not right, do you know why that is? It's because of something that's in my heart. That's what Jesus said. He said, the outflow of your, of your language and your speech is because of what's going on really in your heart. And that time wherever I got busted and exposed by my youth minister is because there was, there was ugliness in my heart that needed to be dealt with on the inside. When we deal with the inside, do you know what happens? The outside takes care of itself. When we deal with the inside, the outside takes care of itself. Jesus is going to start something here. He is going to go into something in this next little part of Scripture. We won't be able to break it all down today, but I just want to read part of it to you today. He's going to start using some language with these Pharisees that was incredibly offensive to them. He's going to start saying things. In the NLT, it says, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees. 
In the, in the ESV, it's actually better, better translated. It's woe to you, Pharisees. Now, when we hear woe today, it just doesn't really resonate with us. We don't really use that in, in our language. This was like kind of a cursing. It was anger. It was wrath that was coming out of his mouth towards them. All right. Whenever a woe was pronounced upon somebody and we don't really get it when we read it today. It's not like you're driving. Someone cuts you off and you're like, woe to you. You know, you don't really do that, right? You do other things. You pray for them. <laughs> Bill, be careful. No, <laughs> he does. Or someone else said that. I don't know. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? And so when he says this, it's, it's, it's filled with wrath. But there's sorrow attached to it. He's saying, I feel so sorry for you because you're so rotten. And he'll say things like this. He, it was the strongest language he could use with them. He'd say, what sorrow or woe to you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, this was, he's, he was going to pronounce on different areas of their hypocrisy, okay? And this is what he's doing. He's saying, you're so focused on being noticed whenever you're giving, and you're so, you're so you know, particular about even tithing off of your, your, your herb garden that you're doing these certain things. By the way, this wasn't even in the Scripture to do this. They added this in. I'm going to tithe off of my oregano, okay? I want everyone to see how I'm tithing off of my basil and this and that. I want everyone to see how holy I am and all the things that I give. In fact, in certain places, it says they would announce, the trumpets would announce when the Pharisees were giving to those around them. Look at me. That's what it was all about, okay? And he calls it out. He's saying, yes, you should, you should give. You should live generously, but your heart should match your generosity. Here's what we know. Just a couple of quick things to write down. We'll dig in more in coming weeks. Hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy or hypocrites obey commands, but they leave their hearts out of it. You can go through all the motions of, of being a, a follower of Christ. You can play the game. You can know how to come to church and know how to give and know how to do all the certain outward things that people can see and your heart can be so far from God. That's why Jesus would say, these people honor me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. And we see that Jesus just calls this out. He calls it out. We can go through the motions. He calls it out. Okay, and, and this, is, this is what he's saying. You give, but there's, there, your motive is wrong behind the gift. You give, and it's all about, look at me. Whereas you should give, but it should be about loving people and loving God. The most important things. He said, you neglect the most important things. What is the law of Christ? Love God, love people, right? He's saying, and your hearts are far from that. This is all about you. It's all about you. He calls them out. Next thing he says, verse 43, Woe to you Pharisees! What sorrow awaits you Pharisees! For you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Hypocrites, we love position, we love prestige, we love attention. 
That's what we love when we're struggling with this. I, I confess this in the first service. I have to check myself in this. I, I, I have, a, on a regular basis, opportunities to stand in front of people and to speak. I, I get asked to do that. And, and you know, and, and it's just easy for me to do this. Oh, beloved, let us pray together. Right? I mean, I could preach the whole sermon with this like this. It'd probably creep some of you out for sure, right? And you wouldn't remember anything, but you'd walk away from here going, man, he was really in a good mood all day, wasn't he? Right? And, but, but you know, I mean, we just know how, we know how to do things to, to make ourselves look good. And he's saying, that's what you love. You love attention. You love prestige. You love power. You love those kinds of things. And here's the danger with that. When you love that more than you love God and more than you love other people, here's what that means. You will do whatever it takes. You will play whatever role you have to play. You will wear whatever mask you have to wear to be sure you get it. And it's dangerous. And people get hurt. And you get hurt. I mean, there's so many other things. He goes on. He says, verse 44, Woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. For you're like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing uh, the corruption that they're actually stepping on. In other words, and again, I don't have time to break this down today, but he's saying you, in the Jewish culture there, you didn't touch a dead body or you were defiled. And he's saying you're dead and people don't even realize it when they're around you that you are the one that is defiling them. You're defiling them through your hypocrisy. I love this. One of, the, one of them gets offended. Okay, one of the religious guys. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you you have insulted us. You have insulted us too in what you've just said. You're not only insulting the Pharisees, we're the, the masters of this law here. You're insulting all of us. Now this would have been an, a prime opportunity for Jesus to back down and go, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry that I'm, I'm calling this. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Um, bring the water over. Let me wash my hands. Oh, No. Yes, said Jesus. What sorrow. Now he's saying to them, he's looking right at this guy and he's saying, woe to you. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law. Now look at this. For you crush people with unbearable religious demands and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. You know, religion is about bondage. The, the words are very similar, bondage. He's saying, you're religious stuff. You are weighing people down. When Jesus said, what did he say? Come to me and I will give you what? Rest. Come to me and take my yoke upon you and I'll give you rest for my burden is light. Jesus is contrastingly different, isn't he? He says, he says woe to you. Your religious demands are weighing people down. There's so much more to read here, but, but we're out of time. But go to the very last verse, if you will, Bryn, please, in 53 and 54. He says, he goes through more of these woes. He points more of their hypocrisy out. We'll look more in the coming weeks. But he says this, it says, as Jesus, uh, actually back up, Bryn, to 52, if you can. Go to 52 if we have it. What sorrow awaits you experts in religious law? For you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves. Now look at this. Now we need to hear this, church. 
You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering the kingdom. Hypocrisy is not one of the things that people who are non-believers say, I'm out, no thanks. And this is what he's saying. Jesus confronts it then. He needs to confront it now. We always need to be assessing. We always need to say, i got to get real about some areas I've been dishonest. I want to be real. I want to be real. As Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees became hostile. Here's the deal. When you start pointing stuff out like this, it's not fun. The messenger, by the way, the messenger, he talks about all the prophets that you killed. He said the messenger often got killed whenever he would bring a message like this. Please don't throw stones. (laughs) All right. But what did they do with Jesus? He pointed out things that were wrong and they crucified him. So, so our response, whenever we hear things like this, we have, here's our responses. Our response can be this. It can be, you know what, man, I want to be real. I want to be connected with God. I want this to be the real deal in my life. I'm tired of faking it. I want to take this mask off. I'm ty- it's exhausting By the way, when we do that, we're not exhausted anymore. There's peace with Jesus. Uh, We're not enslaved. There's freedom, right? Because we're not pretending anymore. We're not embarrassed. We experience His grace and we point people to the forgiveness in our life. We're not empty. We have real relationships now. We're not extinguishing the light of Jesus. Now we're radiating because we're real, right? That's all the opposite things that we talked about. So you can, you can say, I really want that. Or you can kind of do like the Pharisees. If there's dishonesty in your life, you can get hostile about it and be like, man, forget this. And I think you'll see that there's not wisdom in that. The other thing you could do is you could just kind of continue to live in denial. But here's one of the things that we all have is we all have blind spots. We'll be talking about it in the coming weeks. That's why we need community. We need others to help us that we can trust. Say, Hey, I'm struggling with this and you're struggling with this. Let's help each other. Let's just pray together, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. I thank you for loving sinners like us. God, I thank you that as we do honest assessments, that Lord, you're not angry with us. You're you're speaking truth into our lives. The thing you desire more than anything in today and in this series is that, Lord, we would see this about you, that your grace abounds where we sin. You love us. You, you want us to be real with you because you know that when we are connected with you and you are the vine and we are the branches, that the fruit that is born in our life is just amazing. You love us, God. Thank you for that. I pray that we would, as a church, Remember the kind of people that you love and love people in that same way that we would realize that we're sinners that you have loved, that the grace you've shown us, that we would be gracious in showing that to others, Lord, to whom much has been given, much is required, to whom much has been forgiven, we forgive even greater. So Father, just just help us to, to be honest. Help us to begin to get well where maybe we're spiritually sick. Help us to experience your freedom 
Lord, for those that don't know the love of Christ yet, today would they just see you for who you really are, God, and that you are a God that loves them, that you, that you accept them, that, Lord, you died for them, and that if we would call on you in faith, you would save us. And, Lord, that's when you begin to bring about change in our lives. And so, Father, we just... We offer ourselves to you. Lord, where, where I'm just coming before you, Lord, where I need to repent, I want to repent. Where we as a church need to repent, we want to repent before you, Lord. We want to continue to be used by you to be just a beacon of hope in this community. And we know that a big part of that is by being real. So, Lord, speak to us. Help us, Lord. Thank you for your grace. And it's in the wonderful name of our loving Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen.